A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Welcome to the Simply Vegan podcast with me, Holly Johnson, and my co-host, Gabriella Clark. Each week, we discuss the latest vegan news, taste test new products, and chat to some of the leading names in veganism. This week's episode of the Simply Vegan podcast is brought to you by Alpro My Cuppa, the new plant-based drink from Alpro, formulated specially for tea. It can be challenging to find a plant-based alternative that makes a cuppa just the way you like it. And so often we end up settling for a tea that's not quite as we'd like it. With Alpro My Cuppa, you can make the perfect cuppa without compromise every time. Alpro My Cuppa is available in the chillers at Sainsbury's, Waitrose and Morrison's. Thank you to Alpro and My Cuppa. week we are we're going to sack off the news aren't we I think everyone's had enough of news lately it's um you know they are <laughs> out <laughs> we are I don't want to hear any, any more about covid we are just going to do a lovely roundup of um the new wicked kitchen christmas range which Derek very kindly arranged um to have sent to us both it's been a, a week of eating a lot of food hasn't it <laughs> It has, yeah. I feel like I've almost already had my Christmas dinner three times over, but I'm not complaining. <laughs> yeah, so so first up, um, the festive feast wrap, which is three pounds. Mm. I absolutely loved this. I thought it was really good. How about you? Us too. It was brilliant. Feedback from this household was by far the best Christmas sandwich slash wrap available at all really liked it the Aldi do have a really good one I think it's kind of on a par with that the Aldi have got one at the moment that's kind of a parsnip fritter um, but mm. that's that's a sandwich not a wrap um, and it is really good but the the um the Wicked Kitchen festive feast wrap 
I loved the um, the sort of crispy greens in it. It was kind of really refreshing and gave you that lovely crunch, which I really liked. Um, I never used to actually like turkey. I've, I never really ate it, even at Christmas. So I do find it weird when meat replacements are so realistic, like this was. Um, but for, you know, for obviously for for ex meat eaters, flexitarians um, that like turkey, um, yeah, brilliant, really realistic. Oh yeah, I thought it was great. The flavors were delicious, and there was a really nice balance between the ingredients in there. Um, sometimes I steer away from buying something like a wrap that's pre-made because I find them quite soggy with all of the sauces. Yeah. But actually the balance between the sauces and then the uh, turkey substitute, the stuffing, and as you say, the greens, which was a really nice addition that it wasn't then with lettuce or something. It was with greens that felt like it worked alongside the flavours. Yeah. Really lovely really lovely wrap really good festive solution so next we tested the no chicken drumettes and the no prawn firecracker dippers what did you think of these so i have to say i am a self-confessed ex-chicken nugget lover um <laughs> i used to love a chicken nugget back in my meat eating days um, and so I'm always on the hunt for a little guilty substitute um, now I am fully fledged vegan and I thought these were great really good texture really nice flavor quite substantial didn't taste overly processed I think the the kind of spiciness and the seasoning and then the bread breadcrumbs meant that it wasn't just trying to be a chicken imitation. It had some, some flavor with it. So I was a really big fan of the chicken drumettes. For me, I was less keen on the prawns. And I think that these might be better for maybe people who were flexitarian. Um, because I found them to have a really realistic fishy taste and smell actually when they were cooking which if you're used to eating that I think would be great but because it's been so long since I've eaten that that wasn't something that I would actively buy again although for people looking for that flavor I think they got it spot on yeah the the drumette see I I didn't used to eat chicken nuggets I mean not I think I maybe did at uni, but we're going back sort of 20 odd years, <laughs> showing my age now. Um, yeah, I never really was a fan of, of chicken nuggets. I never went to KFC and I tried these. Oh my God, they were so good. I was just mm -hmm. like, I've been missing out all this time. They were, well, I'm buying them again for Christmas, definitely. Um, Me too. And my son loved them. Um, the, the prawns, I didn't find them to be very much like prawns they were to me they were more like a fish cake texture yeah completely agree um so I did like them and they had a nice kick to them nice bit of spice but yeah if I had to choose between the two I'd go for the drumettes definitely me too I agree um so on to our, our main course Christmas <laughs> day <laughs> um so we had the beef wellington and or the no beef wellington of course and the no turkey crown so you sampled the beef wellington didn't you what did you think of it 
I did. I thought it was delicious. We, as we've mentioned in a couple of past episodes, have tried a couple of Wellingtons and this one was definitely our favourite. Just in terms of the richness of flavour, again, pastry was perfect. Um, It had a layer of mushrooms within it um, that was a really delicious alternative, really delicious addition. Um, And I think having layers like that helps it feel less imitation less processed by having like the real veg within the pastry yeah and really rich flavor we served it as part of a roast with veg and potatoes and gravy and it was perfect I would definitely definitely buy that brilliant I mean it's not a huge it's not a huge one is it it's not a massive size but again as, as we said last week um which was the one we were testing last week, uh, the Morrison's one, wasn't it? Um, mm. You know, that wasn't huge either. But I think, obviously, it's it's aimed at, you know, flexitarians or vegans who are within a family of perhaps meat eaters or, or vegetarians. So I don't think it's designed to be, you know, to feed a family of six or whatever. Um, Definitely not. And I think that's definitely something to make clear if you're buying it it is for the one two at a push three people in the family who would choose that over say their traditional turkey rather than it being enough to feed a full family for Christmas lunch for sure yeah well the no turkey crown actually to me is a game changer I I, when I saw it, it looked, it looked so realistic. I was kind of a bit put off because, you know, you just kind of like, oh, I don't want it to look like a turkey. I don't. Yeah. But, um, yeah, we cooked it. It had a lovely sort of um, sage butter on top, which kind of melted into the, um, the no turkey that's made. I think it's made from pea protein um, and it came with a, a sage and onion stuffing. Um, it was. I mean, we carved it like you would meat. We really, had, and it yeah. had that similar texture. Yeah, yeah. I mean, not you know, I wouldn't. I would know the difference between that and turkey, but obviously that's a good thing because I never really liked turkey anyway, and I don't want it to be. But it it is really, really similar. And what I said to my sister, who's um, who's vegetarian, is that I'm I'm going to get this, and I'm going to I'm might not have it for Christmas day but what I miss is having you know when you have the leftovers like the turkey turkey and pickle sandwiches on boxing day I was just about to bring up a pickle I completely agree yes (laughs) I really miss that sort of you know when I was younger and last year I must admit I didn't really buy any special foods in and I did feel a bit like I was missing out for the first time since going vegan I did feel a bit you know everyone was tucking into their special cheeses and you know their smoked salmon and whatever else and I kind of mean you know my daughter and I just kind of thought oh you know we haven't really got anything special so it's fantastic having all these new options I'm definitely going to stock up this year um and for five pounds this would definitely feed I mean it fed four of us for dinner and we had a little bit left over wow so, that's brilliant yeah so I think that's a game-changing product I'm really um really impressed by that one how exciting yes well, I think overall feedback is some really exciting additions to 
vegan options in supermarkets. Um, I'm not surprised because the lovely Derek Sano always gets it right. <laughs> he does. Um, and it was a privilege to be able to taste test them all. Um, and I think, yeah, there's some real winners in there, not just for Christmas, but for kind of either hosting or dining and eating beyond into veganuary, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, we've got one more episode that we'll be putting out uh, next Tuesday. And then we'll be taking a little break for Christmas and then we'll be straight into veganuary, hopefully um, bringing lots of tips and product reviews to all the new vegans. Next up, I'll be chatting to gut health expert, Suni Patel. Hello. Hi, Suni. How are you? I'm very good, thank you, Holly. How are you? I'm great, thanks. Let's start off by introducing you. You've got quite a few um, strings to <laughs> your bow, <laughs> shall we say? So you've got, you've, you're a scientist, you've got a PhD, yeah. you've got a, a master's in business. Yeah, I have an MBA. MBA, yeah. and you're a trained fitness instructor. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I, I'm one of those people, I'm a perpetual student and I get bored very easily, clearly. Right. <laughs> no, I, I started off as a clinician scientist, so I worked in the healthcare space to, to start off with. And then I went into the research world and I was looking at risk factors for diabetes and heart disease in risk populations. And then I continued that and I did research abroad, so I worked in Canada um, and then decided to almost sell my soul and I went down the corporate angle. Um, so I work for a, a big pharmaceutical company now, but I've done strategy, et cetera, um, for big companies, small companies. Um, but I've always been fascinated by health. In the core of everything that I've done, health has always been where I've found my passion, um, albeit my core core passion has always been food. But health is where I can almost kind of add more strings to my bow to your point yeah um, so I thought you know I've always loved being in the gym the gym was my second home how do I be uh, you know how can I become a fitness instructor not so that I can um, do a side hustle just so that I can use this to understand the mechanics of the body further and really just kind of broaden my horizons so yeah that's me in a nutshell as it were <laughs> busy man so <laughs> yeah. do you want to tell us a bit about your journey because um I know you went plant-based because of Crohn's disease is that right yes yeah, so my so my journey with Crohn's has been a long and arduous one so I've had Crohn's for diagnosed um, for seven years but I had symptoms three years prior so you can imagine I've had 10 years of the symptoms um, and did the whole typical male bravado machismo three years oh no no it's nothing just under the weather and I went through every single avenue I possibly could to manage my Crohn's. Um, so I've done the elimination diet. I've done the, the low resistance diet. I've done the, the low FODMAP diet. Um, but I came from very old school thinking, having gone to the gym all the time and chasing that muscle body that you've got to prioritize protein. And so I used to eat 200 grams of protein with every meal five times a day. And it was only since last November that I thought, hang on, I'm not really extolling the virtues that I was telling my patients years ago about, are you critically looking at your diet? 
And are you using evidence-based science to kind of really frame what's best for you? So one Saturday, this is how sad I am, okay? So one Saturday, <laughs> I watched every single Netflix documentary. I, I read probably about 20, 30 scientific papers. And that very Saturday evening, I threw out every single meat or animal-derived product that I had in the house and decided, come Sunday, I am now vegan. And that was November last year. And, you know, I still take medication. I still have steroids for Crohn's. There's no cure for IBD. But what it does for me is it really cures my symptoms. It manages my symptoms. I used to wake up with arthritic pain. So imagine in your 30s, waking up with swollen knee, crooked hand, it's really, to me, you know, it really affects your confidence. You think, actually, I can't do the things that I've always been able to. I can't go to the gym on a daily basis. You know, you can't go out for runs or hiking. Um, and I have to say, in this year plus, I have not had any joint pains at all. And that, for me, is because of the plant-based diet. That's incredible. Yeah. It really is, you know. Life-changing for me. And that's why I went, you know, I did a little piece on ITV news talking around plant-based milk and wrote an article and you know, everyone's individual. I am not here on my soapbox saying everyone that has IBD should go plant-based because there's a spectrum to the condition. Um, I'm lucky that I'm not at the severe end, but at the same time, there's a huge portion of people that have the condition like I do and live with the bloating, you know, the bowel movements, the chronic pain, and there are ways of managing it. And I think it's really critical looking at your diet and lifestyle. And going plant-based has really allowed me to do that, as it were. Sometimes you need that almost, you know, that baptism of fire. And you yeah. think, actually, just do it. Otherwise, if you don't, you're never going to truly know what your body deserves. And now I'm honouring my body through a plant-based diet. So did you find it easy to to go plant-based did you miss the meat or um, so it's a, it's a really good question I get asked this countless number of times and I get it asked by my family the most because I was <laughs> the, I was the chief carnivore in the family and especially as we were approaching Christmas you know they're like well you would always cook the turkey you'd cook all the trimmings and they expect they had bets that I would stop being plant-based after a month or so and I don't miss it there's not one thing that I can say that I really desire. I think at the beginning, I used to miss a Kit Kat. Um, <laughs> yeah. And a Kit, Kat, a Kit Kat used to be my go-to when I used to feel a little bit down. And you think, you know what? Have a break, have a Kit Kat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but no, if anything, it, it's funny. And I, I speak about this a lot. It's how um, delusioned I was. You know, I thought I made the transition to go lactose free because I knew lactose was my trigger, one of my trigger foods. But I don't know what stopped me just going from lactose free to non-dairy and just plant-based milk. And I think it's because there's this subliminal psychology to going plant-based or vegan as opposed to just saying lactose free. It's funny how people, my family understood why I went lactose free but didn't understand why I went vegan yeah um, but I don't miss it I love it I actually tell people that you know I feel far more energetic the things that it does for you that people don't realize especially for me with IBD I had really poor skin and 
you know, I think whatever age you are, you want to look your best. Um, and I think because now of COVID and we're all social media present and heavy, you definitely do want to look your best. Um, and going plant-based has really cleared my skin. I mean, I never had acne as a child, but having Crohn's, I had the typical, you know, the, the puberty acne. Yeah. And it really hit my confidence. And now it's cleared my skin completely. Wow. That's amazing. So, yeah, so I don't miss anything. I would never go back. Um, and it's really helped me on a number of fronts that I don't think I would have imagined. And it's probably also helped me rediscover my passion of food um, because Crohn's um, really affects your food relationship. I went from a love-love relationship with food to a hate-hate relationship with food because you have an association. You're scared if anything you touch, look at, smell or eat is going to give you a flare-up. Mm. And so I lost all that passion. Um, and now it's invigorated. I, I look at ingredients with a new light I wake up sometimes really sadly at 3 a.m. in the morning thinking, I'm going to make this today. And I didn't <laughs> do that. I didn't do that before because I think, you know, you can be creative with meat. And I don't want I don't want carnivores that are listening to this to feel, okay, here he goes, another typical vegan saying, oh, you can only be creative with plant-based items versus meat. I mean, you can, but I think you refine, no, I know you rediscover the true tastes of food. Um, when you go plant-based and that's what I've done a tomato tastes so different now because usually you'd find you'd use something else to hide or to you think you're complementing the taste of a tomato or a carrot mm. but you're not because actually what should be front and center is that tomato yeah. or that carrot so like. yeah that was a very long answer but I hope you get it. <laughs> this is why I'm so passionate about it no it's great and that really comes across I, I was exactly the same I went vegan about three years ago and mm. I I was exactly the same as you with with just having this I've never been that excited by food mm. and when you do go plant-based or vegan you, you do yeah you do get excited about experimenting and being creative and it's yeah it's just um it's yeah, and the thing. colors, right? The colors yeah. that it adds to your plate. It's funny how, and the irony of it is, is when you when you start your Crohn's journey and you go on a, um, a low resistance diet or a low residue diet, it's basically you're cutting out fiber. So it's it's colloquially known as the the beige diet. So it's basically potatoes and white bread and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So is this recommended by the doctors? If, if yeah, so it's, it depend, it's so it depends on how severe your symptoms are, and if you are getting a lot of flare-ups, which I used to get, and I used to get the really severe flare-ups, they'll always say, you know, try the the low residue, low resistance diet, and then slowly add fiber. And the irony of it is, we call it the beige diet, but actually, when when I look at also my diet pre-plant based when I was eating like the chicken breast or the turkey breast and sweet potato, it's actually quite beige then as well. Yeah. So the irony is I've done full circle, but now I did rainbows to my diet. Um, but yes, you do start off on that. And I, I sometimes, when you have certain procedures you have to go through or tests. So when you have a colonoscopy or a sigmoidoscopy, they ask you to go on a particular diet and I have to go on a low residue diet. And I hadn't been on one for five years. And I went on one in kind of just a few months ago this year, and I could not believe how much it affected me. I was so depressed in five days. Mm. I was so bloated, um, and I felt just my energy and fatigue was greater. And I actually put a post on Instagram, and I don't usually like to put tirades on Instagram, but I just had to. 
And I just feel that there has to be a need for change. And I know sometimes fiber is the, you know, the foe for people with IBD and IBS, but there's also good fiber. And I think you have to build that up. And I've built up now, whereas before I couldn't eat lentils, lentils used to affect me adversely. But now I eat lentils because I made that small stepwise additions to my diet and backed it with the science and liaise with kind of, you know, healthcare professionals. And, and that's the thing, just reach out and know that you shouldn't be scared of food, um, but you can add variety to your diet. That's my worry that people with IBD and IBS feel that they've restricted their diet and they don't have variety, but yeah. you can, you just need to go on that journey. So, I mean, I was going to ask you what kind of foods you recommend for anyone with inflammatory bowel conditions. So mm. is it all about kind of stripping it back a bit and then slowly adding things in? Because obviously as a vegan, I mean, you eat lots of beans and things like that, but that presumably could, you know, not um, be too great if you've got that kind of condition. Yeah, and it's a great question. A lot of people ask this question and it's, it's unfortunately, it's, it's no, you know, one size fits all. Because IBD is such a spectrum, you know, if you're very early in the condition, even if you're quite late and you've had surgery, everyone has different trigger foods. So, for instance, people that follow me and I see them on the IBD community, they drink alcohol. Now, alcohol affects me. It's my trigger. Um, you know, kale sometimes affects me, for instance, but then I can eat other leafy vegetables that don't cause a flare up other people can eat beans and others can't but the way it tends to work the journey of kind of being diagnosed and the diet paradigm as it were is you're diagnosed and depending on how good and well-versed your gastroenterologist is they will probably give you recommendations and say okay take a food diary, start realizing what your triggers are versus some gastroenterologists may say, actually, you know, a diet has no issue. Just keep taking uh, medication. Um, I was just, I didn't want to take that route. I really wanted to know what were my trigger foods. And for me, it was dairy. It was garlic. It was onion, tomatoes, um, beans and legumes. So everything that an Indian person can't eat, I can eat. Um, but you have to learn that and then you slowly can add things. So you go on a low FODMAP diet. So FODMAPs are carbohydrates or fermentable carbohydrates that basically cause gut issues or that imbalance in your bacteria, which exacerbates or worsens your Crohn's or um, your ulcerative colitis and even IBS. But the purpose is you shouldn't be on low FODMAP for the rest of your life. You can then start adding things to your diet and it can take some people a few months and it can take some people several years to get to that journey. As I said to you, it's taken me five years to get to that journey where mm. I've been able to add things. And I can add kale now, thankfully, to my diet, but I have to cook it off. I can't eat kind of raw kale yeah. um, because it does really aggravate. But there's other people that can only have a liquid diet, for instance, if it, you know food really does trigger them. Yeah. And you've got to imagine those people have a real different appreciation or an affinity or relationship with food. And it varies day by day. Today, I can eat beans and legumes, so I can eat chickpeas. But, you know, it could be that in a few months time, because of stress and other conditions, that that meal that I've cooked that wasn't an issue has affected me. So I think it's also about holistic well-being, you know, yeah. looking after yourself, managing your stress, but knowing that diet. And we know this scientifically. There's a lot. There's a huge wealth of data that diet does affect 
most conditions. It's not as robust in IBD, but enough for us to say, actually, if you know your trigger foods, be careful, but don't restrict yourself. You know, it's individualized. Don't feel that you have to shy away from food. Just take it one day at a time, work with your dietitian. There's lots of content out there, you know, see what recipes are available. Low FODMAP doesn't mean that you just have to just cook a potato and eat it. You know, you can do very kind of adventurous things with a potato and it can still appeal to people that haven't got Crohn's and colitis. Yeah. So do you think, I mean, I don't know whether you're kind of using NHS services or private healthcare, but do you think that, you know, medicine in general in the UK is becoming more aware of the effect, the effect of diet on health? Yeah, I mean, so that's a fantastic question. I think there are tides of change um, and there are some great advocates, especially in the IBD space, um, that are saying, actually, we need to step up and we really need to look at what is the holistic management of our patients. It's not just medication. You know, we can't just throw and apply medication to a patient and say, come back to us if it doesn't get any better. We actually need to look at how is this patient or this person? And this is the issue, right? We look at people as patients. And it's sometimes we need to realize that in the hospital setting, they're a patient, but outside they're people with lives. Yeah. And once you go out there, we need to we need to be able to manage our lives. And it's not just about can we take a steroid or extra medication so that we can eat something. It's actually about what are you eating? What is triggering your flare ups? Because the service isn't sustainable. Right? We can't just keep doing more and more surgery on people and say, actually, live the frivolous life you want to, because at least you can have surgery down the line. It's yeah. actually let's educate and let's work together early on. And there is a wealth um, and desire now to talk about diet outside of the low FODMAP diet and understand actually what is the impact for people with IBD and IBS. So, yeah, there, there are tides of change. They are coming. Is it where I would personally, as both a patient and a healthcare practitioner, like it to be? No. I think it takes time. You know, when the NHS is a system that is so well established and has so many um, pathways and ways of working it doesn't happen overnight you know um, but I think we'll get there and I think it's because patients and people are now feeling more empowered to speak but practitioners are more empowered before doctors never ever challenged the system yeah. now they almost will actually we need to challenge this for the good of our patients who are people who need to live with this day in day out yeah, well, that's brilliant. We've got hope that, <laughs> that things Fingers will crossed. change. <laughs> Fingers crossed. I think, you know, there's there's a wish and then what what is practical to the wish. But I think we'll yeah. get there. I think we need more people to kind of speak up and people to kind of feel more empowered to talk around what their issues are. Um, because we tend to find, and even from my own experiences, when you see a patient, the patient just nods and says, yes, doctor, fine, I agree. And they'll have all these questions once they've left the clinic. And that's where I feel a bit disheartened, where actually you should feel empowered to actually ask the questions. And I've done that as a healthcare practitioner. I've gone to my appointments and not said a word, not muttered a word. And if they say, have you had any problems? I'll just say no, because I don't want to be a burden on the system. Mm. I feel there's other people that probably need my need the help from the NHS more so than I do, because I am 
I'm very lucky that I have a network of people, I'm well versed in the area, that I can do things if needs be, but what about the people that can't? But then I've learned the hard way that I shouldn't have done that because this year has been a real toil where I've had to have a sigmoidoscopy, a colonoscopy, I've had to have an endoscopy. And I went down the private route trying to hopefully not go to the NHS. And then the NHS consultant said, well, you should have just come to me instead of going private. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, it's a double-edged sword. Yeah. So do you you try to eat a whole food plant-based diet, you know, 99% of the time? Do you allow yourself treats? I mean, I know you said (laughs) everyone's kind of different and things affect differently. Yeah, look, I always say we're human. Um, And so as much as I talk a lot on my platform about whole food plant-based diets and trying to make them a bit more um, palatable, um, I guess, because that's the other thing. There's a stigma around whole food plant-based diets where people think it's going to be quinoa and leaves and salads. And it's not because there's things that you can make that whole food plant-based and still taste as the equivalent. But do I go out and have a, a, a vegan um, hot dog and a vegan burger? I mean, hell yes, I do. Because, <laughs> you know, I am human. We have one life. Life isn't a rehearsal. And I don't want to show people that I'm on this soapbox and he eats everything amazingly every day. Because when you're feeling down, you do want that burger or you do want that chocolate cheesecake. Um, and so, yes, I, I find find that because I don't want people to feel, especially with IBD and IBS, that if you do go plant-based, that you're restricting yourself even further. We have our low days and we need to G ourselves up. And food is the biggest one of, well, it's personally one of my addictive substances. I thrive off food. And I think people go to food for comfort is our comfort net network and net comfort blanket. Um, so yeah, I still eat some processed vegan foods, but I try and limit it. So I, I don't think 99% hardly, I'm afraid. And I think some people <laughs> would probably um, feel disparaged by this, but I would say 85% of the time. <laughs> I think that's still great. <laughs> I think the, the thing is, it's time as well, isn't it? You know, when I yes. went vegan, I, I was very much plant-based whole food. And, you know, I've got two children, I've got mm. a dog. <laughs> Mm. who takes up time and you know the the amount of dishes I was using because rather than just kind of reaching for a block of cheese I was making my own cheese or you know so it was a lot of work um so yeah it's it's just kind of balancing it isn't it and I think it depends on what you're looking for from your vegan diet or your plant-based diet if you're a cheeseaholic you're obviously going to probably spend more time scoping out cheese dishes and for me this is why I created dish dash deets it's because I want to show people that I have a chronic condition, but I'm not a full-time chef. I have a full-time job. This is my passion project. And I do the cook-alongs to show people that you can cook things quite quickly and in batches and in bulk. So you're not having to think about, okay, well, I'm now going to make lunch separately and then dinner. And then heaven forbid, we've got to think about snacks as well. Um, And so I try to show people that you can do it with a busy lifestyle. It's about preparation, but also about experimentation. If you get it wrong, you know, who cares? if If you like the taste of that food, you're the biggest critic. You've got to eat that plate of food. And I think it is the preparation piece. There's two pieces, it's preparation and the price. To go whole food plant-based isn't expensive, but people confuse it by being expensive because of the processed products, which are more of a premium. 
but the time piece is actually, you know, there's nothing wrong buying pre-cut vegetables or frozen vegetables. They still have the same nutritional value, but you're saving that bother of cutting it. But if you are, if you do have the time to prepare your vegetables, think about also not wasting you know, so you can use your carrot peelings, your vegetable peelings and turn it into a stock. And I do that. It's about multitasking and then freezing. Um, but you're right. I think we'll get there. I think it's we just need to become more aware of how to do things well, as opposed to thinking we need to do lots and lots of things yeah. to yeah. make the meal feel substantial. So Dish Dash Deets, you, did you create that this year? So it's basically a website and you're on Instagram and everything as well. And you're sharing kind of recipes, but also the scientific um advice uh, you know the nutritional value of the foods in in the recipes that you're cooking things like that yes yeah, so dish dash deets i launched may the first this year so during covid so i think I, I got the confidence in the end to actually say let's use this time to do something that i really wanted to do as a passion project otherwise i think i probably would have spent another year year and a half shying away just creating recipes and doing nothing with them um, and the name came about because it is about dishes cooked in a dash with all the deets. So try and support it with digestible scientific elements about how is this supporting gut health. Um, but at the same time, I want to talk around how gut health is so important, not just from a diet perspective, but from a mental well-being and holistic um, healthcare perspective. So it's also about dishing in a dash all the deets. So I work with a psychotherapist and we talk about mental well-being. I have a Crohn's and Me series where I talk about different aspects of IBD and IBS. So depression, um, you know, chronic pain, how to balance a work um, kind of an, an ambition when you have Crohn's. So I don't want people to feel that they're limiting themselves with a condition. Um, but also, yeah, it's centered mainly around the dishes and the creativity around dishes being very unique and different as opposed to here's a bowl of salad, enjoy, you know. So, yes, so launched this year and it has cook-alongs with celebrities um, and they nominate ingredients. So I also want to show people that you can do things very ready, steady cook style, open your fridge and you can find wonderment. You don't have to go back out to the supermarket and find new things. You can make beautiful creations from the things that you have at home so that's why I do the cook-alongs as well so what are what are a few of your favorite dishes um so this is so hard because each dish is almost like a baby because I do (laughs) each dish and I create each dish from scratch and I come up with the recipe from scratch but what I think my favorites are the ones that surprise me the most so that my my first ranked dish is my walnut pate um and that's purely because I didn't realize how meaty it would taste. Um, and I do it with a blend of shiitake mushrooms so you can get your vitamin D um, and with walnuts. So that's my number one dish. Um, other dishes that I love, I love East Asian. Um, so I did a cook along with um, sprouts um, and I, I did a Thai udon dish with sprouts, which I loved because it elevated sprouts in a different dimension for me. But I also then did a, a queso sprout dip um, which was amazing with tortilla chips, but I had some left over and I did a roast dinner afterwards and I used that as the base for vegetables, almost like my bubble and squeak um, equivalent. Um, so I think that's one of my favourites. And my final, because I think everybody loves sweet dishes and desserts. I love my chocolate and cucumber cake um, because oh, wow. I, didn't, and I didn't think it would taste as good as I thought it would. <laughs> and I added a, and it was... It, 
again from scratch and I thought okay I have a cute it came from a nomination from a young child so I do a kids cook along as well where kids mm-hmm. nominate ingredients and uh, unbeknownst to me he said chocolate and cucumber in the one same video and I was like <laughs> oh no um so we added things like cardamom and cinnamon um and it just kind of elevated that dish and so yeah so those are my top three or four dishes fantastic it's really interesting you have to give them a go, Holly. Yeah, I will. <laughs> I'm not they good at baking, though. I'm not good at Neither baking. Neither am I. I'm not a baker by any virtue, or I would never say that I'm a dessert person. I will always go savoury over yeah, sweet. Yeah, same here. Um, so you'll always see more savoury dishes on my platform than the sweets, but I've started putting more sweet dishes on there. But the chocolate and cucumber cake is very quick to do. Okay, I'll give it a try. And let everyone know what I think. (laughs) Exactly. I look forward to hearing you about that. (laughs) So you're passionate about sharing what you've learned with um, black and minority ethnic and younger generations and less affluent communities Mm -hmm. who might not have access to, you know, the information or or sort of know about um, values of a plant-based diet. How do you do this? Yeah, so I, I, I do it two ways. First is I advocate it by representing that community um, in itself. I mean, I'm very proud and I've gone through that journey of owning my identity as being a proud um, representation of the BAME community um, as a millennial um, that wants to succeed in teaching people in a, in a very um, easy, digestible way. So I tried to make science sexy, as it were, but also that chronic illness contingent to say, actually, you know, let's not pigeonhole ourselves to those labels so that's the first piece that I want to show people not from a poster boy model perspective that actually if I can do it anyone can do it and honestly and I do mean that in the most humblest way if I can do it and I've held myself back for so many years I want people to feel that actually whatever passion you have and you want to share it represent it because people will resonate to that through authenticity the second part is I'm very privileged to have you know backing um, from advocates and influencers and celebrities that want to be involved in the Dish Dash Deets revolution or the journey with me. So, you know, they'll come on cook-alongs or they will kind of send messages of support or they will recommend the website and Instagram to, to, to other people to say, actually, hey, have you heard of Dr. Sunny? You know, he's very different to what you can see out there. He wants to show food in a different way. You'll also see that a lot of my creatives aren't the typical food pictures you'll see they're not staged with you know the ingredients by the side it's very geometric it's very black and very stark it's because I want to show people that there's an art to food you know there's an art to being gut healthy and so that's where I focus my efforts one to live and breathe what I want people to get from Dish Dash Deets by representing that in the true authentic way and then secondly by getting the followers and the engagement to to mirror that. So other than the celebrities and influencers, you know, followers also send me messages or nominations. So I get a lot of BAME followers that will say, can you put some more Indian dishes? Or there was one where um, there was a nomination for jollof rice. Can you make jollof rice more gut healthy? And I did it with jackfruit and some more beans and other things. And they tried it and said, oh, this is so different to what we've usually had or used to. Um, so that's yeah that's how I try and hopefully resonate and then I try and get myself out there on different platforms you know ITV News being one of them but other ways you know kindly being invited to your podcast for instance just to show that 
you know, veganism or plant-based is suitable for all, um, but it doesn't represent a particular snapshot of a community. It's, you know, I represent a different, you know, contingents as it were. Yeah. So what advice would you give to anyone perhaps, you know, struggling with Crohn's or, um, you know, something similar, perhaps they've been newly diagnosed, what, what tips would you give to them? Yeah, I think the first tip for me is know that it's okay. And when I say know that it's okay, I don't mean know that it will be okay, because it will be okay. But know that it's okay to sometimes feel really down. Sometimes know that it's okay to not have your symptoms or your condition managed by the medication at that time. And know that it's okay to just feel what you're feeling. You're going to have the jubilant days, but you're also going to have the really awful days. So first of all, know that it's okay. Secondly, know that it will be okay, but it can only be okay if you really own your condition. Please don't do what I did, which is shirk away from the responsibilities that I had, which is basically I'm responsible for my own condition. I have to manage it appropriately. I need to take medication. You know, you need to manage your diet and lifestyle. You need to reach out to people. And that's the one thing that I didn't do. I, I let machismo get in the way. I didn't want to talk to myself. I didn't want to talk to myself, let alone others. I wouldn't admit that I had Crohn's. And then finally, you know, take each day as it comes. Take your wins. And a small win may be that you got out of bed and you showered and you got out of your pajamas. And I know that to some people would think, well, no, that's just laziness. But actually, some days there are times where you can't get out of bed. You have severe fatigue and brain fog where you just your body will not allow you to do the things that you would like to do. It's OK not to go to the gym. It's OK to sometimes eat crap food. You know, going back to your question about, you know, the processed food. Sometimes if you want to eat that burger, you know, to hell with it, please eat it because you've got to honor yourself, not just by honoring your body, by eating the right things and taking your medication, but honor your needs for your mental well-being. So that's what I would say is my top three. I think there's probably a lot, a lot more learnings, Holly, but I think from those three, I'd say take those and you'll go on your journey and manage IBD, IBS, any other chronic condition um, and just reach out. You know, I'm more than happy. To, I've spoken to a lot of people about this. I'm more than happy to just you know, be that soundboard. Sometimes people just want to send a message just saying, I feel crap today. And then just for me to reply saying, I hear you. Some people don't need an answer and say, well, stop feeling crap and snap out of it and go to the gym. Or have you spoken to someone? Sometimes you just want to be told, I hear you and it's okay and it will be okay. Mm, wonderful. So just to finish off, do you advocate things like uh, pre and probiotic supplements or do you try and get that from your food? Yeah, so it's a great question. I always get asked this question. <laughs> I, I don't take supplements or I don't take probiotic supplements. So I do take particular supplements um, because of the plant-based diet, but also because I have IBD. So IBD or people with IBD are known to be deficient more so in B12, iron and also we need to up our calcium intake especially if you're taking steroids so i do take a supplementation of b12 iron calcium i take some extra magnesium and zinc anyway just to help manage my brain fog at times but i don't take probiotics i get enough probiotics through my diet so i have a lot of fermented foods so i have kimchi i have miso tofu um i'm not a huge fan of tempeh i'm going to put it out there this is very scandal and scandalous <laughs> 
on Facebook and say, not a fan of tempeh. Um, but there are lots of sources of probiotic foods. When it comes to prebiotics, foods are also a great source of prebiotics. So Jerusalem artichokes, garlic, um, leeks, um, you know, so fructans, foods that are rich with fructans are amazing sources of prebiotics. Um, and then also you have, you know, kombucha. Um, so I don't feel, for me anyway, that I need to take a probiotic, purely because you've got to remember that a probiotic may only have one or two strains of bacteria. But we know through scientific evidence that our gut houses anywhere between three, 30 to 100 trillion microorganisms so if you only have one strain versus all the other trillion you can see what you're doing is you're favoring one strain over the other whereas it's much better just to have a well-rounded diet if you feel a probiotic or prebiotic is helping you and it's not doing you anything or any harm I'm not going to say to someone stop it but I would always advise get the appropriate advice and just try not to lean on the fact that you're taking a supplement and that will be the cure it isn't it's around um kind of well-being management basically thank you so much for chatting to me today it's been um really interesting and hopefully lots of people will you know gain a lot from hearing you talk yeah well you're most welcome and thank you so much um holly for for having me i mean it's, it's it's an absolute pleasure and yes you know i hopefully people can see that you know other than my platform there's other platforms out there but please reach out, um, please nominate ingredients if you want to see some, something creative and gut healthy. But yeah, stay safe um, and look after your guts. I think that's the most important take home for everyone. Thank you. I'm off to try the um, chocolate, what was it? Chocolate and cucumber cake. Chocolate and cucumber cake, Holly. I expect you to take a photo <laughs> and I want to see your creation. I will, I promise. <laughs> Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.